it was after one particular Sunday service, the preacher just kept preaching God's word. On and on and on he went. The message went for a very long time. The story doesn't tell how long it was, but it was very lengthy. Just after the service of one particular father and his son were headed to the foyer to leave. When they stopped and this the little boy got to noticing a plaque up towards the entrance. Dad, what is that plaque say? He says, son, it's just uh, the many members of the church of uh, men who died in service, in the service. Bewildered, the little boy said, Dad, was it the morning service or the evening service? <laughs> you know, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I have never intentionally, on purpose, tried to tell you a message from the Bible that would either put you to sleep or bore you to death. I'm not going to try to do that to you at all. But there is a particular passage in the New Testament where it seems though a sermon did either bore somebody to sleep and then fall to their death. Even though this person may have fell asleep due to exhaustion or boredom from the sermon, the particular circumstances though, as we'll see in a minute, had great meaning towards a festification which we're going to be taking partaking in here in just a few minutes. If you want to follow along in the Bible, turn to the to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20, and verses 7 through 12. Acts chapter 20, verses 7 through 12. We look at a midnight meal's meaning. A midnight meal's meaning. Now, before we get into the verses, a little information, background information is always helpful before you get into the verses. The Apostle Paul was on his second out of third three missionary journeys. He had already left the city of Ephesus, which is in Asia Minor, and he eventually found himself here in the city of Troas, just after leaving the city of Philippi, where they had celebrated the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, we're going to read all the verses all at once, and we're going to discuss this midnight meal's meaning. Acts chapter 20 and verses 7 through 12. Luke writes, On the first day of the week, that is Sunday, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the very next day. And he prolonged his message until midnight. Here we go. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were all gathered together. And there was a young man named Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, sinking into a very deep sleep. And as Paul kept on talking and preaching, he was overcome by sleep and fell down from the third floor and was picked up dead. Verse 10, But Paul went down and fell upon him. And after embracing him, he said, Do not be troubled, for his life is in him. When he had gone back up and had broken the bread and eaten, he talked with them a long time while, day, while until daybreak and then left. They took away Eutychus alive and were greatly comforted. Good story, isn't it? In five, six verses. You may be asking, what in the world does this have to do with the Lord's Supper? Well, after all, it emphasizes primarily, it talk about him breaking bread, but then Eutychus falls from windowsill to his death, three floors down. It emphasizes Luke does on his death, Paul being interrupted 
during his preaching and in the breaking of the bread, runs downstairs and through the Holy Spirit of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, restores Eutychus' life. I'm here to tell you, though, this has everything to do with the Lord's Supper. It emphasizes that there is no accident. There is no coincidences with God, is there? No accident that God allowed Eutychus at that moment to fall to his death. Nor was it an accident for Paul being there at just the right time to run down and put himself upon Eutychus and bring him back to an earthly life, especially at the time of this midnight meal, the Lord's Supper. God was showing us uh, that it, it was very important and encouraging to us in three different ways. There are principles of the Lord's Supper in this midnight meal that I want to share with you this morning. The three principles of this midnight meal. Number one, the Lord's Supper reminds us that He's alive. He is alive. This was an object lesson, obviously, in this story. No one wanted. Somebody actually died during this celebratory meal and in the preaching of the Apostle Paul. Eutychus fell asleep. He fell straight down to his death. Now, the Bible doesn't talk anymore. Luke doesn't mention anymore about Eutychus, his age, whether he was married, whether he had children, whether any family was there with him during this midnight meal and this all-night preaching. So you can imagine if there were, if he did have a wife and children and family there, you can imagine there a flood of emotions. At that moment, young Eutychus had fell to his apparent death, okay? The screams, all of a sudden, I'd scream too if I was in a room and somebody fell from a window, window seal three floors down. That would not be a very comfortable landing at all. Perhaps they heard a thud right at that moment. Everybody screams and headed down the stairs. Paul is doing everything he can to get out of my way, get people out of the way so he can get to Eutychus to do what he already knew was going to happen at that moment. This would be an object lesson, though, that had great significance, okay? And then the miraculous, I believe, miraculous um, reaction whenever Paul said, don't worry, Eutychus is alive, okay? Now, he's alive. Everybody's yelling, praise be to God. Thank you, Paul, through the Holy Spirit. Your great testimony, your great power, your great work for God. You have raised through God's hand you have raised Eutychus from the dead. Now, this does have, really has nothing to do with a second chance of life that Eutychus received at all, okay, during this Lord's Supper. But it is on the screen. It's the remembrance, though. The Lord's Supper is the remembrance. We have a Savior that died for us and yet lived. That is what the significance truly is of this Lord's Supper, that he lived. Think of it. That Easter Sunday morning, okay, on that Resurrection Sunday, all hope was lost. Mom is going to be playing the play on Easter Sunday, playing Mary Magdalene, the first on the scene. She gets there at sunrise. The, the, the stone is rolled away. Don't worry. Jesus isn't here. He's alive. Could you imagine the flood of emotions here? And Jesus is alive. And then the screams of John. He's alive. The word gets to Peter. Peter goes and runs. He's alive. Imagine just the emotion these men had. And then Peter getting that confirmation. The word spreading to the governor of Judea, Pontius Pilate, who gave him up to be crucified with the question, he's alive? Did you just imagine that? 
And then the screams throughout the city get spread like wildfire. This man, Jesus, he is alive. History was changed, think of this, with, at, with just a cry. Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection. At that moment, history had changed forever. What were once tears of despair, of hopelessness, they thought it was all over. When they rolled that stone on that Friday evening, they thought it was all over with. Tears coming down. But then three Jewish days later, that Easter Sunday morning, what was despair and hopelessness turned to joy and eternal hope that Jesus conquered death and was raised by the power of God. Every time we partake of the Lord's Supper is as believers in Christ, we know that yet Christ died and yet he is alive today. Is there any greater joy than knowing that a loved one who died in Christ isn't dead? He's truly alive. I think of Brother Bernard. What most funerals turn out to be, sorrow, despair, because you don't know if you're going to see your loved one again. They were raising their hands in joy, knowing that that wasn't the end of the story. One day, they would all be reunited with their father, with the husband, with their grandfather, because they know he may be, his body may be there, but he is alive in the presence of Jesus right now. That was a time of celebration. No better feeling knowing that he's alive. And even more so, Jesus Christ is alive. What an expressible joy. Today, as we partake in this symbolic meal, remember the truth that Jesus is alive. Number two, the Lord's Supper is the opportunity to be comforted. Let's go back and look at the last two verses and act in verses 11 and 12. This is, this is so comforting here. When he had gone, gone back up and had broken the bread and eaten, he talked with them a long while until daybreak. And then he left. They took away Eutychus alive and they were all greatly comforted. Listen to this story quickly. A young man recently returned from military duty from the Middle East. For several months, he had served in a place, he said, of great danger and very unfamiliar and uncomfortable surroundings. When he talked about his joy upon being home, he talked about the simple things of life. His recliner, he said, fit like a glove, and his bed was nothing short of luxurious comfort. He'd play ball with his son for an hour and enjoyed his favorite meal across the table from his wife. The touch of her hand, he said, was beyond description. The greatest comfort he'd ever known wasn't anything elaborate. The greatest comfort, he said, was simply being home. It was the comfort of having familiar surroundings after a very dangerous journey. The disciples, those that were closest with Jesus Christ, at his death, they thought everything was gone, that he had lost him forever. After all, they, that he was the awaited Messiah they looked for. They recognized him as Messiah, but they still truly didn't get it, even at his death. Hope was all lost for these. Life had been wonderful up to that point. The ministry, everything they saw Jesus doing, healing, comforting people, they saw it all. The multitudes coming and following Jesus for who he was and what he would, 
what he represented and what he was doing. Suddenly, they found themselves looking up at Calvary at a cross and saw Jesus dying a horrific death that he did not deserve to partake in. The grave then and their, their hopes, their dreams were sealed in that tomb. Their comfort was shattered. Then came the cry once again, don't worry, he is alive. Then Jesus was all of a sudden in their presence. He came with wide arms wide open. He stood before multitudes of people, confirming he had been risen from the dead. Remember, he fixed breakfast. He ate with them early in the morning. He walked with them. He encouraged them. He made them laugh as he did before, leaving them with smiles on their faces, just like a man who had just come home from war, just like that gentleman did in that story. No matter where you've been at all in your life, the Lord's Supper is an opportunity to come home, to be comforted, okay? Your battles from the past, they may have been difficult. Maybe you have certain circumstances or battles in your life right now. They may seem overwhelming. However, there's always God's grace and there is His forgiveness that's available to all of us. There is the open arms of home. Be comforted today in partaking, knowing the Lord's Supper does give us an opportunity to be comforted. And number, the third principle of this midnight meal here, the Lord's Supper is an invitation to get started. We have so much to learn our walk from God. It never ends, does it? Whether you are a baby Christian or you are a more established, a mature Christian, you never stop learning about the things of God and in God's Word. Maybe maybe uh, you're trying to find your way with God sometimes. It can be overwhelming. You know, with the things in your life, your job, your circumstances, trying to indulge in God's Word, trying to be the best Christian you can be, it can be overwhelming, okay? A baby Christian, they don't know where to start because there is so much to learn. An established Christian, all of a sudden, things are going well in your Christian walk with All of a sudden, you hit a roadblock. Well, where in the world did that come from? Why? All of a sudden, you hit that big roadblock. <coughs> Perhaps you may see other Christians, you look around in larger churches. Some Christians seem like they're mature at a faster rate than others. Don't let that stop you, knowing that you can get started. When we partake of the Lord's Supper this morning, it's an opportunity to have a clean slate. Make sure everything is right between you and God and get started. Knowing He's alive and that this partaking of this celebratory meal is a time of comfort and knowing you can get started in a fresh new way today. Just like this story right here, where your circumstances may not be leading you to where you think you need to be going. Listen to this story. <coughs> the story of Holman Walsh. In 1847, he went out to fly a kite. Holman was taking part in a kite flying contest, so he brought his best kite and plenty of string. He stood at the Canadian bank of the Ni Niagara River, letting more and more of that stream go out. And his little boy's kite kept going higher. It kept going higher and higher until it stretched nearly 1,000 feet. When a stranger on the American side of the Niagara Gorge grabbed a hold of a Holman stream, and the crowd that had gathered lit up in a mighty roar. For the first time, the story says in history, people on opposite sides of this great gorge were holding on to the exact same thing. And because of that, Holman won top prize. $5, a lot of money back in 1847. There was much more than $5 at stake. However, in short order, the string was tied to a tree on the American shoreline. 
and a light cord tied <coughs> excuse me, to the Canadian end of the string. The cord was then pulled around the 800-foot span. A rope was tied to the cord and pulled safely across. To the rope was attached a wire cable, and to the cable, a thicker cable attached. It was the beginning of an engineering victory over one of the greatest natural barriers that had separated the Americas and the Canadians. Fifty-foot towers were built on each side of the river, and more cables became a part of the picture. In time, people rode across the river in buckets for one dollar each, and then they walked on a footbridge for a quarter. But less than a year after Holman's kite first flew across the river, people were safely riding their horse-drawn carriages across the Niagara on a marvelous suspension bridge that hung 220 feet over the rushing waters. Eventually, there were 15 bridges that spanned the Niagara, six of which are in use as of today. The thousands of passengers that travel across the multi-lane, high-speed bridges today think nothing of the bridge. Some of them so familiar with the path, they barely glance at the scenic view. More than likely, it has never occurred to most of those on the great bridges today that somewhere in the past, just to get this modern-day miracle underway, someone had to fly a kite. And then he gives his application. If great bridges can get their start with a boy's kite and string, then I'll tell you that great spiritual experiences can get their start with amazingly simple decisions. The Lord's Supper is one of the most simple meals, but yet the most important meal you'll ever partake in. It might seem not seem any more significant than a little boy flying a kite. It might seem to be a little more than just a stream or a connection between you and God. But the offer today is make that connection. Get started in that new commitment. As we partake in the Lord's Supper today, it's an invitation to get started in making a stronger connection between you and God. If you don't feel like that connection is there, no better time than today in your prayer life, in your daily devotions, in God's house every time the doors are open. Make that priority to make that connection. And studying God's Word, no greater way than to get that connection stronger with God than through His Holy Word. And make sure also through fellowship with like-minded believers. Make a commitment to fly that spiritual kite of yours. We all have that spiritual kite. Fly it to heights you never thought possible. Because from the smallest beginnings can come great bridges of faith. Let's bow together in a word of prayer. You've heard that the Lord's Supper represents that Jesus is alive, that the Lord's Supper is a time to be comforted, and that the Lord's Supper is a time where you can get started on your walk if there's a hindrance in it. We're about to partake in the Lord's Supper, but it's only an invitation to Christians, those who have trusted in Christ and Christ alone as Savior and for the forgiveness of their sins. Perhaps you've listened to this whenever it may be and you realize the Holy Spirit's telling you you're a sinner in need of a Savior. 
No better time than right now because what I guarantee tomorrow, our life could end in a moment's notice and it'll be too late to trust in Christ as Savior. You'll be eternally separated from God forever and ever perishing in your sins. But you can make that decision right now and God's Holy Spirit is impressing upon you to take that step of faith. You can say this simple prayer of faith with me right now in your heart silently or out loud, knowing God is listening and God is waiting with open arms to accept you as one of his children. Say this prayer with me. Dear God, thank you for loving me. I understand and know that I'm a sinner and I am truly sorry for all of those sins in my life. But I believe what I have heard today, that you love me so much, you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins, taking the punishment I deserve for those sins. And I'm trusting in what Christ and Christ alone did to save me of those sins. God, thank you for loving me and thank you for forgiving me. And I am praying right now that you will help me spend the rest of my life serving you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it with all your heart, you are now a child of God. You're going to get started on your newfound walk. And then you'll be able to partake in the most celebratory meal, the Lord's Supper. But that's just part of your Christian walk. Before you do anything else, we want to hear from you if you prayed that prayer of faith here at Pleasant View Baptist by typing in a website that will be at the bottom of your screen. It is pbmb.me forward slash contact. Type in that website. It'll take you to our contact page where you will put in your information and in a brief message saying, Brother Stephen, I prayed the prayer of faith. And we want to congratulate you first of all. And also we want to send you some free material on your newfound walk. We want to send you a Gideon's Bible. Please uh, take the time to do that, but don't stop there. Give a testimony. Testimony is so powerful in trying to reach others for Christ. Jesus did himself. The apostles told their stories, and so showed you. Give that testimony to your loved ones, to your friends, anyone and everyone who will listen to you and hear about Jesus Christ and what he did for you, the life he took, he took you from, and the new life that you have now and the life that you will have for all eternity one day in heaven. Give that testimony and you're doing that out of obedience to God and in portraying the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Where you're planting that seed, you're watering down for the Holy Spirit to come in and do His work on behalf of God. Give that testimony but don't stop there. You can't make it by yourself in your Christian walk. Make sure you get into a Bible believing church that teaches the whole counsel of God's Word. They teach everything from prophecy. They teach about sin and the reason why we needed Jesus to come to die for our sins and that we were undeserving for Jesus to die. We deserve a devil's hell, but because of the great mercy and love of God, He sent His one and only begotten Son, Jesus, to die for you and I, for the sins of the entire world, once and once for all. Make sure that Bible-believing church is teaching the whole counsel of God's Word, just like this church, Pleasant View Missionary Baptist. Our information is on our Facebook page or on our website. The website is pbbaptistchurch.org. Check out our website. We have a lot of great sermons on there from the past. Our statement of faith is on there. Check us out. If you can't get to this church, I implore you, please get into another Bible-believing church that teaches the whole counsel of God's Word. Father in heaven, I pray to you today that no one who may have listened to this invitation 
or any other great teacher out there who put out that invitation call, I pray that none of them would resist your call of invitation to salvation. That They would say yes to you, God, and no to Satan and no to sin. And I pray all of this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.